Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 37 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. I hope that you'll consider sharing my podcast with your friends and family. And those of you who have, I truly appreciate it. A lot of interesting things going on this weekend. Some people calling for rule changes. Some people concerned about what the wives and girlfriends might be doing once they get into the hub here in the not-too-distant future. And I have to ask, as a Cats supporter, Tom Hawkins, what are you thinking? Seriously. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the tribunal, but uh, come on, man. Now, don't forget you can uh, find this podcast on the Podbean app. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. You know, if you uh, are interested in doing so, I would love it if you'd consider shooting me an email. Let me know how I'm doing. Give me a review on the Apple Podcast site. That'd be terrific. Remember, you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter and as well as at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. Now, I have started this email list, and I've mentioned this a couple of times already, uh, but that link will be in the show notes if you are interested in signing up for that. You don't have to. I'd love to be able to uh, get the podcast out to you as soon as it comes out. So if you want to sign up there, uh, there's a spot there. If you have a question that you want to ask me, uh, specifically that you'd like me to address during an episode, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. You can also shoot those to me in an email. Uh, but if you want to sign up, please feel free to do so, okay? So let's dive right in for this week. And uh, the last game of the weekend is going to be the first one that I talk about. And, uh, well, it was a bit of a slog through some nasty weather at Optus Stadium between Fremantle and Geelong. And I have to wonder, really, and I mentioned in the opening, Tom Hawkins, what in the world were you thinking? Seriously. You've begun to develop, even in the four years that I've been watching the game, I don't know if it qualifies as being a dirty player, because there are a lot of people who have thrown that moniker around regarding Toby Green. Maybe it's warranted. But this is your seventh game that you've been suspended for in just the four years that I've been following the game. So I don't know if you qualify as a dirty player or not, but that was not, in in my opinion, not a terribly smart move in your situation to throw that, uh, throw that elbow that you did. And sure, maybe you only struck him in the chest or the collarbone, but you couldn't have possibly known that. You just threw it out there, hoping to make contact and and I, I think it was quite frankly irresponsible, on your behalf. Now again, I'm no expert on the game, but you've got a significant game on the schedule coming up here this week with West Coast. And as of right now, as I'm recording this, you're suspended for that game. You're not playing. This club's going to need all the scoring it can muster to go up against the Eagles and you've really hamstrung them with that. You know, they're already missing at least one, possibly two of the greatest of all time. And now you're, you're likely to be out as well. 
I just don't think it was a very smart decision on your part. Now, I watched AFL 360 this morning, and, and uh, Robo argued that he didn't think it was worth a week. But, And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I, I'm thinking to myself, maybe it's worth a week just to simply remind Tom Hawkins that he needs to keep those elbows to himself. You know, it, and maybe this will pay off in the long run, but in the short run, you know, can we forget what happened in the prelim final last year? He wasn't there. You know, he threw a punch against the Eagles, ironically, last year. And in many ways, it may have cost the uh, the Cats, well, it kind of did cost the Cats a shot at a premiership. Because... They might have had a shot of beating Richmond last year. Now, I can't say that they would have. So if you're a Richmond supporter, I'm not saying here that the Cats would have definitely won had Tom Hawkins been playing. But it is just mind-boggling that he would do this again and again and again. And we have a saying here in the States that it's kind of a boneheaded thing to have done. Now, I don't know if that's what... uh, would be the best way to describe it, but I just, I, I saw it happen and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what, what are you thinking? And again, I'm not, I'm not going to go into this any further. I just was really disappointed in that action. And, you know, at the end of the game then, and maybe this has happened before, but I have never seen a player strip off their shorts and throw them into the stands. You know, that's, uh, it, it got some airtime. It was kind of funny, but in light of what had previously happened with the throwing of the elbow, was that the right thing to do in today's day and age of COVID? And the fact, well, actually, now that I think about it, Tom Hawkins puts his mouthpiece into his sock when he kicks. So this is not an issue. I, I've i seen a couple players that, that actually tuck it into their shorts, which, you know, Patrick Dangerfield obviously needs a pair of shorts that's a little bit smaller um, to help him keep them on. But uh, I, I'm not sure that that was a great idea, throwing his shorts up into the stands. It was kind of, it was kind of cool video, but... I don't know. I don't know. Now, another issue that I saw, and this came out over uh, the weekend as well, and I actually heard this. uh, I was working out in my garden and heard uh, Lee Montagna talking about this on uh, First Crack, where he was talking about taunting. And he brought up Tom Papley and Tom Mitchell. And he's not a big supporter of this. And he, he argued that, Montaigne argued that, that there should be a rule that basically says, you know, if you get into the face of somebody else, you, you know, they, they kick a bad uh, shot on goal or something of that nature. They miss badly that you go up there and rub their head or something like that or, you know, get into their face and taunt them, that sort of thing, that it should automatically be a free kick for that club. He was talking about the optics of the game where you are... Uh, you know, you're kind of making fun, if you will, or taunting your opponent. And I, you know, he said he stated during the, uh, the the first crack, quote, "My first crack is that the players that go and shove after someone misses a goal or rub their hair 
when they make a mistake. I want to bring in a taunting rule. There's taunting rules in other sports. The NBA has brought them in. I've got no problem with what James Frawley did there because you know, Frawley came in and planted Tom Papley, which led to that second goal, which led to Alistair Clarkson's comments about Papley being able to do that. So in a way, now that, that, part was, that last part was mine, but in a way, based upon the way the rules are right now, it was a smart move on Papley's part. Unless they change the rules, you can't necessarily fault him for that. He did something that was beneficial for his team. A 12-point you know, opportunity right there with the little bit of a taunt and getting shoved to the ground by Frawley allowed his team to, uh, to tack on another goal. Now, I'm not a big fan of, of disrespecting people. Okay, I, I just, I don't, it happens. I just don't see the, you know, that it being a time and a place to do that sort of thing. Now, you can be, you know, be standing out on the field during the course of a game. You're waiting for a ball up. You're waiting, you know, you're waiting for a, a bounce after a goal, that sort of thing. And you're lined up on your opponent. And that opponent was the one that had a, you know, a faux pas or screwed up previously that you certainly can, you know, you know, jar with them and talk to them and that sort of thing and and give them grief there. But making it visual to where the cameras are focusing on it or to where the children watching the game are seeing it. I just think that's a bad look in any game, whether it be footy, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, whatever game it happens to be. You know, I think you have to be respecting the people that you're competing with. And I just think it's, it's, it's a really bad look for you as the athlete to do that sort of thing. You know, it's, it, and it gets back to the NFL thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not a big fan of, you know, and the NFL has really tried to embrace this with regards to, you know, allowing these group celebrations in the end zones after touchdowns and that sort of thing. And I get it. I understand the, the, the reasoning behind it. But, you know, it's in some cases it's become a little excessive and I, and I may get the quote wrong, but if you're, you know, if you follow the NFL at all, you might've heard the name Jim Brown and Jim Brown was one of the best, if not the best running back to ever play the game back in the 1950s and sixties with the Cleveland Browns. And, and it, I may have this quote wrong, but I think it was him that said that, uh, you know, after he'd scored a touchdown, he would just hand the ball to the, uh, you know, to the, to the official and, you know, pretend like you've, uh, you know, you've been there before the end zone and that you're planning on coming back again really soon. Now I may have that quote completely wrong, but it, I've heard it in my lifetime being, having been attributed to, uh, to Jim Brown, but I, I may be mistaken on that, but it's, again, it's kind of a respect thing, you know, go out and compete and do your job and don't, don't antagonize your opponent. Defeat them on the field. Shake their hand afterward, although you're not allowed to do that now, and move on. You know, we, we many of the ills that we have in society today come from people disrespecting one another. And if it's being demonstrated, and it's, you know, in many ways, Tom Hawkins, you know, actions were disrespectful, throwing that elbow. Yes, you know, so I, I, I worry about this being 
something that gets passed along to to young people watching the game where they think that it's all right and they see, you know, players that they look up to deciding that hey, it's okay to to be disrespectful to somebody, to taunt someone. And we certainly don't want that carrying forward in in other other aspects of people's lives. Because if it's happening on on you know, the the playing field, it could happen in a school setting. It could happen in a in a neighborhood setting when you know when people are allowed to interact with one another so i i worry about that sort of thing it's kind of the 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 teacher in me that worries about that so i don't know i i don't know if there needs to be a rule about it necessarily but you know it, it kind of just gets back to being decent with one another and being not necessarily kind because compete your butt off you know work hard at it you know, defeat your opponent on the field, but you know, don't don't disrespect them. And I and I think that goes, you know, with 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 any game, with any player. And again, I'm not saying that one team does this and others don't, but it's just it's something that really makes me a little bit uh queasy when I watch it. And again, I think about the next generation of of fans or possibly the participants who are gonna be involved in this and see, well, yeah, well I I saw, you know, my favorite player did this, so I can do this as well. Okay, nothing wrong with having fun, being a little bit of a showboat, that type of thing. Uh, what was it, Ned Cahill did the little dance uh, with Essendon after he scored his first goal. Looked a little bit like the, the little video clip you see at Dermot Brereton. Um, but, you know, he wasn't taunting an opponent, at least in my mind he wasn't. You know, he wasn't up in somebody's face doing that. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm off base here. Let me know. Am I, am I, tr- am I being too sensitive here? I don't know. I don't know. Well, back here in the United States, the 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 major sports of the fall and the summer are trying to get going. Training camps for the NFL are are getting ready to start. Uh, we've already had about 10 players who have opted out of playing this year who said, yeah, we're not going to go ahead and play. We're going to go ahead and not participate in the game. We're concerned maybe about our health or maybe the health of loved ones. I think there are three or four players from the New England Patriots who've already said they're not going to play this year. Um, I've already seen some people attributing this to then, um, Bill Belichick convincing some players to step aside this year so his team can perform poorly and they can go out and get the top quarterback in the draft next year. Um, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but uh, I don't know. But Major League Baseball is uh, dealing with some issues already. And if you're not a baseball fan, the way the baseball season works here is that normally they play a 162-game schedule. They start in late March, early April, and then they play through till the uh, end of August, into September, and into the end of September. So it's a basically a five, six-month um, marathon. And, well, this year the season started much later than anticipated because of COVID. They broke it down to a 60-game schedule, and they started last week. So teams have played three games. There are four games at this point in time. And one of the clubs, the Miami Marlins, were playing in Philadelphia this past weekend, and they had 
they had an outbreak of players test positive for COVID before they started playing. But while in Philadelphia, they had eight more players and two coaches test positive. So the league told the Marlins, who were supposed to fly home and play their home opener, uh, I don't remember who they're supposed to play. I think it was Baltimore, but I could be wrong on that. But they were supposed to go home and play their home opener, and they said, no, you're staying in Philadelphia right now because they were wanting to find out just how many people were actually sick. So this has kind of thrown a monkey wrench into the baseball season, and there's a big difference between baseball and the NFL or the NBA or the AFL where they might play, you know, the AFL and the NFL generally one game every week. Now I know that rounds 9 through 12 are a little bit different this year, so it's one every four or five days. But baseball's playing darn near every day. And at this point in time, what they are also doing is that they are playing in parks all over the country. So every team right now is scheduled, well, except for Toronto, because the Toronto Blue Jays have been told they're not allowed to play their games in Toronto. So they're, I think I mentioned this last week in an episode, they're actually going to be playing their games in one of their minor league stadiums in Buffalo, New York. But the, the teams are flying all over the country to play their games. There's been no mention of hubs for baseball. There hasn't been talk about that. You know, so I don't know if uh, if that's going to get talked about. But you've had, you know, one team who has had 10 members of their club test positive less than a week into the season. So I don't know how baseball is going to be able to do this, especially not going into hubs. I, you know, to me, if they want to get a season in, they're going to have to make a significant sacrifice and go into some type of a hub situation, I, I suspect. You know, I don't know. And, and the way they set up the league this year is that they set up the schedule where you're playing basically the teams in your division most of the time. So I'm a supporter of the Cleveland Indians. They're playing 40 of their 60 games against... Kansas City Royals, Detroit Tigers, Chicago White Sox, Minnesota Twins. So theoretically, you could all, you could bring those you know five clubs together into a couple of cities and play games if need be. Now the logistics would be maybe a little bit more difficult to do because you're playing more games. But if they hope to get a season in, I think they're going to have to do something like that. So if you're a baseball fan and you're following baseball here in the States... I'm worried about it. You know, I, I think that the NFL could learn a lot from what the AFL has done. And we'll see what the NFL does. You know, again, larger numbers of uh, players on the roster. You know, you, you're bringing in, in many cases, 85 to 90 players to are trying to make the team. And they'll keep roughly 55 or 60 of them. And if a player does, gets cut from one team, they could get signed by another team and be with that club the next day. So if there was any kind of a conveyance of, of illness, it could spread very quickly between one club and the next. So I worry about that quite a bit. And it leads me into the last little news story that I wanted to get into today. And uh, the AFL sent out a memo because they're, they're in the process of moving, and there's going to be a quarantine involved, but moving f- 
roughly 400 family members of the Victorian clubs into the hubs up in Queensland. So those who did not leave initially are getting a second opportunity, if you will, to join their boyfriends or husbands um, in Queensland, in the hubs, for the remainder of the season. But supposedly, there have been instances where people have been spotted doing things that they're not supposed to do. Um, I, I guess that up in the Gold Coast area, there are a lot of amusement parks and that type of thing, and they're worried about people being at the beach and uh, going out and hanging out in restaurants rather than picking up food and coming back to hotels and that sort of thing. And the league uh, sent out a memo um, basically saying that, you know, that, that the time in Queensland is not intended to be a holiday, but they're there to work. And that, that the, and, and, you know, they're using the term wags, you know, the wives and girlfriends. Is that a, is that a disrespectful term? I don't know. It, it's, it, I kind of have, I, I kind of have mixed feelings on that. I don't know if it, if it would be considered that or not, but, uh, you know, Caroline Wilson, uh, mentioned in her editorial on on television, her time on television, that the that the uh, the family members that are there need to follow the rules, or they jeopardize or risk the season even finishing. So there's there's a serious concern about whether or not the, you know the the league is going to be able to finish. And and while those of you who are living in Victoria are making huge sacrifices, and I and I wish you the best. I hope, you know, we're, we're struggling here. We're now in Ohio. We're now, if we go out, if we leave our homes, we're supposed to have a mask on, that type of thing. Well, if I'm in my yard and I'm by myself, I'm not wearing my mask in my yard. I'm not interacting with anybody else. But if I go to a store or something of that nature, sure, I'm going to put one on. Yeah, you know, My health is not fantastic, so I want to take a, a precaution. And, uh, you know, I, I worry a little bit about... Um, you know, what it's going to be like here in a few weeks when I go back to work, I teach school. But we we have to realize that, you know, that there are things that are outside of the the orbit of the players that could jeopardize the season as well. It's not just the actions of the players, it's, it's family members that could cause things to happen. So hopefully, hopefully people will realize just how important the opportunity that they have had to go to the uh, to the hub, how important that is, and that they take it seriously. And I, I read somewhere they said that it was a uh, cost of about $3 million to the league to move all of these people up into Queensland. So this was something that was a, a significant investment by the league. And hopefully it does not blow up in their faces. So, so just a few things that are going on in the news this week that I, I wanted to uh, to touch on. Um, I wanted to get into my tips for this week because we've got a lot of games going on. In fact, the uh, first game's tomorrow morning, my time, so in less than 24 hours. So I wanted to make sure I got these out here. And I went 7 for 9 last week. I missed on Port Adelaide and Richmond. Um, not too bad. Maybe I'm starting to figure this out a little bit. And this was a uh, this was a, a tough week to make decisions on in a couple games, and, and you'll see why in a moment here. But the first game this week, of course, is uh, 
the Bulldogs and the Tigers, and I've got the Bulldogs taking this one by 11 points. Now, Western is, is playing pretty well right now. They've won four out of five in Richmond. Well, they're in a funk. They can't score. And, you know, on paper, again, the Tigers are, are still one of the most talented clubs in the competition, and they've won three out of their last five, but there have been some bad losses in there. Okay? And, well, they've got certainly the talent to, to get back into the eight, and I'll, I'll be more shocked if they don't end up in the top eight then I'll be shocked that they don't end up in the top eight. I fully expect them to be there. I really do. But they've got to figure out how to score more points. Now, they're going to get a little bit of help defensively here in a couple of weeks, and, you know, you know Jack Rewalt is really struggling. Is did, did Has he hit that early 30s thing where he's just kind of dropped off, or is something happening where, you know, he's not getting the opportunities or... or Teams defending him differently. Uh, but Basher Hooley should be back with the club in about three weeks. He's coming back up to uh, Queensland uh, to get into the, the hub, and he's going to train for a few weeks before he's eligible to play. Now, you know, the, the Bulldogs have had a couple solid wins after they got thumped by uh, Carlton, and I think that this is going to be an opportunity for them to, to push themselves further up the ladder here. Okay, so I've got Western winning this one by 11. Port Adelaide and Melbourne. And I've got Port winning this one by 13. Uh, the Power, they're going to bounce back. Okay, they got thumped pretty good by St. Kilda. You know, the D's have have uh, responded recently. They've, they've won two out of their last three. But there's a reason that Port is at the top of the ladder, and I think they stay there with this win. I, th- I think they're too talented a club to, to drop one to Melbourne, although Melbourne is playing a lot better. And the next game this weekend is Carlton and Hawthorne. And I've got the Blues winning this one by 18. And it could be more. Because Hawthorne is in a bit of a funk. And, you know, the Blues are still outside of the top eight. But they're playing pretty well as well. They've won three out of their last five. You know, the two games that they dropped are two of the top three teams on the ladder. You know, the third one is a team they already did beat. And the Hawks... If you're a Hawthorne fan, I really wonder what's going on in your mind right now because they're in a bit of a free fall, are they not? I mean, it's just like the the bottom has fallen out of this club. You know, they're looking for excuses about things seemingly every week. And, uh, you know, I don't know when this is going to stop. Now, is the club going to make a decision to... Um, bring in some younger players and start playing some younger kids to find out what they have on their list going forward. You know, the problem with that, and that may not be the worst thing, worst thing to do. Maybe it's a really good idea. But the problem with that is that there's really, there's no VFL for the older players to go through or to go to. And we remember, you know, we saw the video last year when, when Ruffy was sent down, when he was dropped from the 22 and he went and played in a VFL game and we saw the footage of him basically coaching his opponent on the field, helping him get set up in the right place, lining up where he needed to go. Now, he did get his, you know, his final game, but there's not that opportunity here for the, 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 some of the players who are maybe struggling, who are on the wrong side of 30, to, to get some opportunities to play down at the, uh, the lower level and let some of the younger kids play. So 
Hawthorne's in a tough spot right here, so I don't know what they're going to do. I just, I, I just don't think that they're going to beat Carlton this week, though. Now, I've got Brisbane beating Essendon by four points. I think this is going to be a close game. Two really good clubs. Uh, they're playing well right now. Uh, the Bombers, they struggled a little bit with the Crows. But I think that Brisbane ends up taking this one. You know, I think they're a more talented club right now. Okay, I think Brisbane wins this one by four. Now, I am uh, going to go ahead and, and uh, make the call on this one. It's Adelaide and North Melbourne. I've got Adelaide getting their first win of the year. And, you know, North is really struggling right now. Um, and I think this might just be the week where the Crows get their first win. I watched the last couple of games that they've played, and they have fought hard. That you know, this team, and I'm not an Adelaide supporter, and I know that there are a lot of people who have some built-up angst towards Adelaide who don't mind seeing the veterans on that club getting hammered week in and week out. They don't mind that because of things that had transpired previously. I get that. But the group of young kids that are coming along have been playing pretty well. Heck, Tex Walker has even had a bit of a revival in the last couple of weeks where I'd seen some earlier games this year where he'd struggled to get, you know, to get the ball, to score. He's kicking goals. He's doing some things that I haven't seen him do in a couple of years. And here's hoping that Tom Duday gets back out there this week. I know he had a bit of a what looked like a hamstring issue this past week, and he's becoming a really solid defender. So if he's out there to being able to play, I, I think that that's going to help Adelaide get their first win of the year. Now, St. Kilda and Sydney. Sydney had a, a great game this past week against Hawthorne, but again, Hawthorne's struggling. I've got St. Kilda winning this one by three goals, by 18 points. The Saints are playing better than just about any club in the competition right now. And other than that miraculous comeback by Fremantle a few weeks ago when Fremantle just worked their tails off to get back in that game, and yeah, you know, raise your hand if you watched that game and thought to yourself after the first quarter, I might as well turn it off. Fremantle's done. I thought that. And they came back and played a phenomenal game. They played a phenomenal three quarters of the game to get that win. You know, but I you know, Sydney's playing really well. They're playing with a lot of energy. They're getting a lot of young kids out there. But I think St. Kilda is still too talented to side right now and I think they're going to win that one by three goals and West Coast and Geelong well I hope I have to issue another mea culpa this week but I don't think I'm going to have to and I'm, I'm calling this one based upon Tom Hawkins not being out there because I, I don't think Josh Jenkins is healthy enough to play right now there's talk about bringing Nathan Kruger in to uh, to fill his spot, the forward position. I heard somebody mention, or I read somebody mention that uh, you know just move Patrick Dangerfield down to forward for the game uh, to allow him to take marks there. But then you know we remember watching Patrick Dangerfield take set shots if he does get the ball, not his strong suit. But I've got West Coast winning this one by 12 points. Um, Elliot Yo survived the tribunal. He's going to be able to play. And you know West Coast's midfield is fantastic. I'm, I'm sorry, they're just they're just really good. The addition of Tim Kelly to that club has made them 
a pretty solid club. They're back home for one more week before they, I think they have to head back out as well, back up to Queensland. But I, I think after watching what they did to Collingwood last week, as much as I want the Cats to win it, I, I don't know if they can. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, the Cats are still battling a number of injuries. Selwood might be back this week. You know, Gary Ablett is still away from the club. You know, you got uh, Quentin Narkel is still out as well. Will we, you know, we will we see some of the younger kids in this game? You know, giving the you know giving some of the veterans a rest. I mean, this was I don't think this is the the mindset here. You know, with Hawkins being out, do they have a chance? I don't know. I I hope they do. But uh, you know, I I'm. And this gets back to what I'd said before. I'm just I'm really frustrated with the decision that he made there. Um, but I think right now, the way things look, I think West Coast is is a stronger club. So I think the Eagles are going to take this one by by two goals. GWS and Gold Coast, I've got the Giants winning this one by 10 points. Gold Coast has begun to slide a little bit. Uh, They've kind of hit a bit of a wall. And at the same time, GWS is finally starting to play like the team that I think everybody thought they were going to be. A lot of talent on that club. And uh, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think that that, that GWS right now has too much experience. Uh, and I think that they're going to go ahead and, and uh, prevent the Suns from getting the four points this week. So I've got Gold Coast losing this one by 10 points to GWS. And the last game of the weekend is Collingwood and Fremantle. And I've got Collingwood winning this one by nine points. Okay, now Fremantle really struggled to score against the Cats this weekend in that absolutely terrible weather situation. It's possible that uh, Nat Fife might be back, but they may hold him out one more week because they've got a bye after that. So they may want to give him two weeks' worth of time to make sure that his, uh, I think it's his hamstring, to make sure that his hamstring is healed up properly. You know, the, the, the pies are decimated with injuries. You know, Jeremy Howe's out. Pendlebury's out now. Jordan Goey has been ruled out for the rest of the home and away season, which I guess would be the away season, actually. But they do get Steel Sidebottom back this week. Is he enough to push him over the top? I don't know, but I think that Collingwood still has enough talent to to beat Fremantle here by nine. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Michael Walters left the, the game with Geelong the other day with a bit of a tweak to his leg as well. We'll see if he's back out there this week. So, you know, I, I think that the that Fremantle is going to, you know, maybe have a tough time scoring as well this week. So. There's my tips for this week. Again, please don't follow my advice because I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Um, my super coach team did okay this week. I actually made some money on it. So, I mean, in terms of the value of the club, there's no money involved in it because I don't have that kind of money. I don't have any money to to send out there. But uh, let me know how I did on my tips. Let me know what you think. Where am I wrong? Don't forget, ladies and gents, that uh, you can find all the episodes for my podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. And again, as I'd mentioned, if you are interested in doing so, I'd love it if you'd give me a review on the Apple Podcast site 
or shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. You can reach me at uh, a yank on the footy at gmail.com or at yank underscore on on Facebook. I'm sorry, on Twitter, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. I want to thank uh, Joseph McDade for the use of a couple pieces of his music. I'm using Backplate and Elevation. You can find his music at josephmcdade.com backslash music. Thanks again, Mr. McDade, for your hard work and your great music. You know, if you're interested in taking a look at the articles for this week, I, uh, I have them linked in the show notes. Um, hoping that you'll maybe consider signing up on the email list. I'm looking at, uh, in the fairly near future, setting up a uh, little store online if you're interested in uh, possibly you know, picking up a, a t-shirt or something of that nature um, related to the podcast. I'm, you know, I'm thinking this might be a, uh, about the right time to go ahead and do that. So we'll, uh, I'm exploring it, figuring out where that's going to work best. Um, you know, if you're here in the States, there are seven games on this week. And I didn't even mention this at the beginning, but, uh, 20 days, 33 games. So if you are a fan here in the United States and you really want to get enveloped by this game and learn this game and fall in love with this game like I did, this is a great time to do it. Excuse me, 33 games on over the next three weeks. So now is the time to to fall in love with this wonderful game. And I and I hope you, that you do, okay? And ladies and gents, I want to thank you for listening again. I truly appreciate it been a lot of people that have been tuning in. I've been hearing a lot of good feedback from folks. I love hearing that. I have some great guests uh, lined up. I'm going to be doing an interview tomorrow, I believe it is. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, with a couple of gentlemen that run a YouTube page that if you're an American fan and you're just starting to follow the game, it's a site you're going to want to check out because it's going to help you learn more about the ins and outs of the game, how it works, that type of thing. I don't want to say who they are right now, but I'm doing that interview tomorrow evening, my time, and that should be out uh, probably Friday this week, uh, but I, I think you'll enjoy that episode. So keep in mind, you know, while we all have our own teams that we love, deep down we're fans of the game that we all love, and that's footy. This kind of gets back to being respectful, kind of like the Lee Montagna thing I'd mentioned earlier. And for those of you who are watching games in the U.S., a lot of early morning games coming on. So, you know, keep in mind you can set that DVR, you know, in Australian Rules Football. It's why they invented the DVR. Thanks a lot for listening. Again, I ask you to consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode 37 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy.
Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, goodbye, ladies and gentlemen.